0: Hello, and welcome back to 3D Printing Basics. This is episode number 17, and in this episode we will be talking about infill. I'm going to discuss why infill is so important, the different types of infill and their use cases, as well as what to look for when deciding the percentage of infill on a print. Before we get into it, I would like to ask if you would please follow and rate this podcast five stars. As I've been saying, I will be getting myself an Ender-3 at 50 5-star reviews, and I will be giving away a Sobel svo 7 at 100 5-star reviews. We are getting very close to 50, and I appreciate all of your support. Also, check out the Google form that I left in the show notes for today's episode. Alright, let's start by talking about what infill is and why it is so important. Infill is what makes up the strength of our parts. It is integral in deciding the weight, buoyancy, structure, and many other factors of the parts that we are printing. It is something that won't be seen on a lot of parts that we print, but nonetheless, it is very important. There are two main factors to infill, the infill density and the pattern that we decide to use. Let's start with the pattern. There are many different infill patterns, and they serve different purposes. Some of them will provide structural support, some will allow for more detail to show up on the outside, while some are honestly just for fun. I will go over the major ones that I use, and maybe a few other ones while I'm at it. Also, just to let you know, some of these patterns might have different names depending on the slicers that you use. I'm going with the names on my default slicer, Orca Slicer. First up is the default that my slicer uses, called GRID. What it looks like is just lines crisscrossing each other, the name is very suitable, it's just a GRID pattern. This pattern is very material efficient. It doesn't use as much as most of the other patterns. I use it personally whenever I'm trying to prototype something or get a printout fast. I don't like using it for final parts that are going to get sent out because this pattern only creates strength in two directions. It is not a three-dimensional infill pattern, and so that leaves a weak spot on any of the prints that you use this on. Next, I'm going to talk about my personal favorite, the cubic infill pattern. This pattern is very similar to the grid pattern. It features crisscrossing lines and a grid shape. The difference is that these lines get laid down at an angle, so it forms more of a diagonal wall shape. This gives the part tremendous strength on both the X, Y, and Z axis. It is easy to use, and you don't need to have a super high density infill to get really strong parts. The only downside I think it has is that it does take a little bit longer to print and it uses a little more material than the grid infill pattern does. But these negatives are both worth it to me because you are getting exponential strength and it's just a lot better infill pattern to use. The last infill I'm going to be talking about is the Gyroid infill pattern, which seems to be Prusa's favorite, as it is the default infill on Prusa Slicer. It is very similar to Cubic infill because it lays down lines at an angle to create the same diagonal wall that gives it strength in all three directions. The main difference is that rather than printing the lines completely straight, it makes them squiggly, for lack of a better word. These lines being wavy helps with giving it a little more strength. However, the added print time that it brings does not make it worth it, in my opinion. Printing with a gyroid infill for me takes even longer than a cubic infill and exponentially longer than the grid infill. And to me, There's not much of an advantage from going from gyroid to cubic, and so I will almost always choose to go with the cubic infill. I honestly feel like these are the only three infill patterns that you should know about. Of course, there are many others that you can play around with and see what you like and don't like, but I can't think of a single time in my career where I needed to use something that was outside of these three patterns. So, take that as you will. These three patterns should suit you for 99% of your 3D printing needs. Okay, that just about covers infill patterns. Let's move on to infill density. How much infill you decide to use plays just as much of a role as the infill pattern that you choose, especially when it comes to the strength of your parts. The default infill percentage for most slicing softwares is 15-20%. to And for most of the beginning 3D prints that I see my listeners doing, that is more than enough. I'm sure there's probably a few people out there that are wondering why we don't make 3D printed parts completely solid. And there are a few reasons for that. For one, a 3D printed part that has less infill is actually stronger than a completely solid part. This is because a completely solid part has more shear points and the layers can easily be compromised because what infill does is it connects all the layers that are being laid down on top of each other. And yes, I know we've talked about the interlayer bonding. They are still, of course, attached to each other, but they have a very obvious shear point and they can break apart, not super easily, but somewhat easily. And what this infill does is it provides another place of attachment for all these layers to attach to each other and makes it that much stronger. A second reason is to save time and material costs. Printing a completely solid part would take way longer to print and it would take tons more material to make, which is not cost efficient and also not time efficient. However, that doesn't mean that there aren't times when you should definitely up the density of your parts. If your parts are going to be bearing weight, like if you made a stand for a heavy object or made a coaster for your hydro flask, that is when you are going to need to change your infill density. 15-20% just isn't going to cut it. If I am changing the value, there are really only two numbers I use. 35% and 50%. 35 is when I need medium strength parts just to be a little bit stronger than normal. 50% is when I have parts that are going to be bearing weight or stress and are going to be used for a long, long time or are going to be used constantly like in a repeated motion like on an assembly line. Besides that, I haven't really seen much benefit from going past 50% infill. I've used a ton of different percentage infills, and I've tested a lot of parts. And for me, maybe it's different for you, but for me, going past 50% infill doesn't offer that much of an increase in strength that justifies the added time and the material that it takes to print it. But that's just me, and that's what I suggest. Please run your own tests and decide what infill pattern and density works best for you. With that being said, I don't think there's much else to go over about infill. I feel like for us beginners, we're going to be just fine with using a cubic or a grid pattern and staying around 50 to 20% for the majority of our prints, because I don't think beginners are going to be jumping into parts that are really bearing a lot of stress or bearing a lot of weight. And I just think the market of infills is super saturated because all these slicers have like anywhere from 12 to I've seen as much as 25 different options and I think that just really overcomplicates things and it doesn't really need to have all that there's two or three solid pattern options that you can roll with for your whole entire life and you don't need to use anything else and since we have this now from this episode I think we're good to go With that being said, please don't forget to follow and rate this podcast. I hope you were able to learn a little something about 3D printing infill. And we are almost to the point where I'm going to torture myself and get an Ender 3. So please don't forget to rate this podcast 5 stars. Also, remember I have a Google form for this episode. If you have a few minutes and can fill it out, that would really mean a lot to me. It's going to be down in the description or show notes or whatever you call it down below. Thank you so much for listening. I only have one more episode to put out before the year's end, so be on the lookout for that. Happy holidays to everybody, and I'll talk to you next time.